We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me today, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? What a goddamn regular season. It really was, Jack. Nets finished with the two seed, 48-24, and 24, ended the season on a five-game winning streak. Just the type of energy you really want to have going into the playoffs, everyone being fully healthy. We're not going to do our playoff preview because we don't know who the Nets are going to play yet, but we're going to discuss some different topics. But before we do that, as always, you can find the buzz on all streaming platforms. Jack, where do we start? Let's start with Kyrie Irving, Nick, with an historic, unprecedented record. He joins the history books to be one of only three players to get a 50-40-90 season on 25 points per game. He joins his teammate, Kevin Durant, who did it in 2012-13. Stephen Curry, who did it in that historic, unanimous MVP season, 2015-16. And Larry Bird, Larry Legend, who did it in 86-87 and followed it up with 87-88. Nick, what more can we say about Kyrie Irving? Is it a I, it, surely he's getting the respect that he deserves now. Surely he's on all the um, all <laughs> NBA teams now, Nick, isn't he? Surely. I mean, it's a historical season, and obviously he was the healthiest net in terms of the big three. He's got to be on those all NBA teams. But to focus on the actual season and the 50-40-90 accomplishment, it's really incredible when you consider the difficulty of shots he takes on a regular basis. Like, we're not talking about a, jo- a guy that hits a lot of wide-open shots and a lot of easy shots. He's probably making more contested shots than almost any other player in the NBA. So it is really a remarkable season. Obviously, when Steph Curry did it, he was shooting threes from half court and from the logo and whatnot still. But a lot of credit to Kyrie. And just the focus you have to have to have the type of efficient season the way he plays is really incredible. And it's a luxury to be able to watch a guy like this on a nightly basis. Yeah, I mean, we were. I'm not sure if I was buzzing as much as Kevin Durant was, but <laughs> I was certainly hyped after seeing it. You know, all the tweets that were popping, all the love that Kyrie Irving is getting right now, he deserves. And I think it's, it's reward for the effort and desire and motivation and energy that he has brought to this Brooklyn Mets team. You know, hometown kid and just everything it's a night-by-night basis he goes out there for the love of the game and he's getting rewarded for it it's about time because you know a lot of people question his attitude towards the game and towards the the nba in general but you cannot question when he's out there for all those 48 minutes he doesn't put his heart and soul into the game he puts his blood sweat and tears into it and it's 
it's a great due reward for a guy who has plenty of accolades behind him. And like you mentioned, Nick, the amount of difficulty that goes on his shots, the, the mixtape that is going to drop from this season alone, I mean, it's it's going to be incredible. We, we say in, in most recaps where Kyrie has a good game, it's just like all of these highlights are going to go to the wayside. And it's going to be good once the NBA or, or someone else sort of puts a, a bit of a compilation together to go, God damn. He hit that shot in the 50-40-90 season. He hit that shot in the 50-40-90 season. And I think our dude Matt Brooks also put out the fact that it was something like 45-46% from like 29 feet or something crazy yeah. like that. Damian Lillard, Stephen Curry, yes. Absolutely phenomenal, incredible season. One of the great individual seasons in the history of the game uh, by any player, let alone a Brooklyn net. Yeah, and I think it just kind of almost showcases his skill to an extent. You know what I mean? Like, we talk about Kyrie being one of the most skilled players in NBA history. And, you know, a lot of talk of, you know, if he's 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, the league would be over. I think Mike James said that last night. So it's just, like, credit to him and just kind of another accolade that he can put on his resume and continue to move up the ranks of all-time players. Do you think this is going to change a narrative around Kyrie Irving, Nick? Because a lot of it is like, you know, Kyrie's got the best handle ever. He's, you know, a, a great, you know, elite, difficult shot maker. No one really talks about Kyrie Irving and his disgusting efficiency. Like, yeah. it's like, you know, you, you associate that with our coach, Steve Nash. You associate it with Kevin Durant. But it's just like, Kyrie Irving for his career is a, like a near 40% three-point shooter. It's just like, those little things go to the wayside because... I mean, the, the other skills and the other brilliance that he does have seems to overtake it. Do you think that this accolade in this season alone could help, whether it's widen his his resume overall and widen you know, the the achievements and the narrative surrounding him? Yeah, 100%. I think anytime you have a 50-40-90 season, now that's something that you kind of connect to that player. You know what I mean? That's like, okay, they just had one of the most efficient seasons you possibly can have in the NBA. Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Curry Bird, like you mentioned, these guys. It's just kind of like efficiency. And like you said, his career numbers, 47% from the field, 39% from three, 88% from the free throw line. They're really, really good. And I think it was funny, Kevin Durant mentioned this, and I think it makes a lot of sense. He's like, it won't be Kyrie's last. And I think that's a good point. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he has another 50, 40, 90 season next year. De definitely. You know, I think that he's in a, a situation right now. And for a guy that we sort of didn't know, have we seen the best of Kyrie Irving? I've said that myself. You know, I'm happy yep. to, more than happy to eat my words. But we could see Kyrie age like fine wine in a way that sort of, you know, we expect Steph and Curry to do because Kyrie can take a lot of the shots that Steph can. And if not, you know, some even more, because we know how great of a, a difficult shot maker that he is. Nick, I want to put you uh, the discrediting of this 50-40-90 season, because Kyrie Irving only played 54 games. What are your thoughts on this? And I mean, you might have seen some, some tweets floating around, but I saw some pretty good ones that sort of, you know, refuted uh, that notion. Yeah, honestly, I didn't even think about it, Jack. I haven't really put much thought into it. It's a 72-game season. He missed, you know, just about 20 games. It's really not the end of the world. You know, if it was an 82-game season and he only played 50, you know, maybe I could take, I could listen to the conversation. But given the season was already shortened, it was a condensed nature, you know, a lot of back-to-backs, a lot of COVID-related things, not to say Kyrie had that, but still, you know, I think that doesn't really even come to mind when I think about the season he had. Nick, the thing that sort of takes it away is don't look at the games. Look at the field goal attempts from each yeah. range. And this is via... Uh, Kyrie 11, I for three, Isaac on Twitter, um, a, a Kyrie Irving stan, uh, if there ever was one. He has had more attempted field goals than Malcolm Brogdon, Steve Nash in his 50-49 seasons, Mark Price, uh, and Reggie Miller. 
you know, and look, you you, you space that 54 games out to, what, 64 games, and those yep. attempts increase even more so. So it's just like, you look at the attempts in 54 games, and he's still got more than a lot of those dudes that I was alluding to. It's just like, come on, man. Like, we don't need to discredit everything Kyrie Irving does. Let's just revel in this awesomeness in a way that I think people are starting to do with Russell Westbrook, a guy we could come up against in the playoffs. So, I mean, yep. Kyrie deserves all the credit in the world for an absolutely incredible season. Um, and look, his part as well, Nick, in maybe the greatest highlight in NBA history. Like, dear Lord, that highlight last night, I've watched it eight times. How many of you watched it? I've watched it a lot of times. I've, I've seen it on, like, every platform. You know, I've watched my own video a couple times. The Nets tweeted it out. Every other NBA account tweeted it out. It's on Instagram. It's on Instagram stories. There's the part. You have, like, the overlay with the, the voices of the Nets players, too. I mean, it, it really was something incredible. If it's not the best, you know, play of the season, it's definitely the best play in probably Nets history in terms of just pure entertainment. I can't, I can't get over it. Like I, yeah. I was I, as soon as like my immediate reaction to seeing it when you you send it to me in the dance as I was working, I'm like, I literally I called over some of the kids that I teach. I'm like, guys, you got to see this. You know, some of the kids who like the hoops and, and like the book on this, and they're just like, whoa! And I, I was just like, I had the exact same reaction every time I watch it. You know, Mike James thinking his career is going to be over if he didn't finish that alley oop throw. That was pretty funny as well. And also, that's really you know, the you... biggest surprise, Jack. Like, because everything else, like the Blake Griffin behind the back, that's common. Was, you know, Kyrie pushes nice. it. Yeah, Kyrie pushes it ahead. But then Mike James, bro, I literally dropped my jaw when I saw him throw it off the glass. I was like, bro, you think you're Jason Kidd right now? And then Kevin Durant threw it down. And, and, come on, no, but we got people in your mentions calling you out for your Mike James hate. Come on, you got to be a stand, <laughs> please. Yeah, no, I really, I really was just like mind blown. I love Steve Nash's comment on it. We think we're cute. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that the responses to it were, were just as great. And you know, this is what basketball is about. You know, everyone's just like, oh, it's over. Like, just end the season right now. Look, it's one highlight. But I think that, you know, the reaction, you know, I, I think I saw the BK to UK boys, you know, check them out on, on all streaming platforms as well. You know, they focused on Jeff Green's reaction. Jeff Green just threw up all the towns. I was yeah, just yeah. like, I didn't notice that. You can watch it a million times and not even watch the highlight. You can just watch every guy reacting in a different way. Um, and it's, it's one of the, look, the, this season has been a joy for the Brooklyn Nets. And yep. we've seen highlights aplenty. And the fact that this happened on the final game with players that we didn't even know would be on this team and Mike James and Blake Griffin, yep. um, it just, it, it says something. And look, shout out to Mike James as well, you know, building a, a nice relationship with Kevin Durant and, and his brother and, and, and the sort of relationship that they've got going on is really, really cool. But this highlight, Nick, it's it sort of, amplifies uh, exemplifies sorry you know what the book on this regular season has been and what it could be if we've been at full health uh, an even greater period yeah i mean it really is remarkable it's just one of those plays that just like you'll never forget because it's just really just something everything kind of lined up perfectly it almost reminds me of like a triple play in uh, baseball just because like all the things have to fall into place perfectly for you to get that end result and that's what the nets got when uh, i'm have you changed your phone lock screen to Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant yet? Man, that that might be one. Look, I've got my phone lock screen right now is a scary hours um, with the whole team because I want to you know show love to all the guys, but I've got that saved as a, as a bit of a backup and it might be the wallpaper going forward because uh, it's the photo that I posted when I was talking about Kyrie Irving's 50-40-90 season. That photo goes so hard, man. Sports yeah. photography is incredible. 
Yeah, that I mean, there that's crazy too. Is like it's one of those moments where you actually have the photos behind it. You know what I mean? And like the stills sometimes just really like. Uh, just like showcase the emotion of the player. So the, like you said, Jack, those are some really, really great pictures as well. Definitely. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now, Nick, a guy who wasn't involved in that play, unfortunately, was my dude, Joey Buckets. And we hear that he may not be at the, the next practice or a couple of practices going forward. Do you have any concerns about Joe Harris's injury heading into the first round? You know, I think it's somewhat concerning. But again, it's a first round matchup against a lesser opponent. Obviously, you want to be fully healthy. You want to get those reps. But, you know, worst case scenario, Joe's a little rusty in game one and two. And then he's good to go three, four, possibly five. And then the next series, he's feeling nice. I think it's important you have him fully healthy for some of the other series, more so than this first round one. But again, a glute injury. Not necessarily the best thing because you're exploding a lot in basketball. And the Nets typically are asking Joe to do things that require a lot of effort. You know what I mean? When he's trying to defend an opposing guard and they're asking him to deny him to an excessive excessive extent, he's putting in a lot of effort and constantly moving those legs. So something to keep an eye on. I think the next Nets are playing it pretty smart resting him. Yeah, definitely. But we've seen them be conservative, you know, all season. And, you know, the, the dividends have been paid with the – you know what the results that we've got basically and and look i i would much rather the guy be, be healthy for this first round and get a, a clean bill of health but look that's just the nature of basketball and nature of the yeah. season if they thankfully it is one of the it isn't one of the scary hours big three and also thankfully as well landry shaman has been in some pretty solid form of late as well if a, you know this had been an alan crab joe harris situation and you know one of those guys was out and one of them was out of form but Thankfully, we've got a really good three-point shooting team. The depth is is solid enough, and I think Joe can work his way into form. And you know, thankfully, it's not James Harden. It's he's not going to have the burden of the world on his shoulders. He's not going to have the spotlights on him. But also, he's going to have to perform because we, we've seen Joe Harris not necessarily, you know, perform to the ability that we want him and the high standards that I hold for him in the postseason. And you know, hopefully, works himself into health, and we we get him well and hopefully good in the the latter stages of the first round. If not, hopefully uh, sooner than that. But Nick, in relation to that, um, I wanted to throw something at you, and I heard this on a podcast, and I want to see if my dude Nick Faden uh, would be able to answer this question. Who are the top five guys for the Brooklyn Nets in minutes played total this season? And I'll give you bonus <laughs> points if you can give me the order. In minutes played, I know Joe Harris is number one. He is number one with 2,141. You know, nearly 300 more than the guy at number two. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to guess the order for the rest of the guys, but I think Kyrie's in the top five. 
Kyrie is second at 1,886 total minutes. All right. Jeff Green is probably in there. Nick, you are kicking goals, my friend. He you know is- what's funny is I have the topic list, and I was like, the Nets minutes leader. like, what is Jack going to ask me in regards to this? <laughs> Look, we never do like this for the quizzy stuff. You know, it's normally like the outlet that kind of does it. And I thought that, you know, for the listeners playing along at home, they could also sort of do it with us. But yes, Jeff Green is third at 1,835. The next two guys, you know, it's a, a bit of a good for one of them. I think one is Bruce Brown. One is Bruce Brown, and he is fourth, Nick. 1,451 minutes. Who is at number five? You got the order. I didn't even ask for it. Well, I did ask for it, but you're just that goddamn smart for me. Who's number five? Five is tough. I honestly am not really sure. I'm going to just throw it out there in Landry Shamit. Oh, my God. Give me some, like, you need some foghorns. Blue White need to give us some extra, like, smoke machines right now because, Nick, you are 110% correct, my friend. Landry Shaman has 1,403. For a bonus $500, this is the price is right. <laughs> uh, who is number six? Okay, now you're just really trying to <laughs> um, Six is tough, man. All those, I mean, God, who who is six? Yeah, is it Tyler it's, Johnson? It's not. It's James Harden. You know, rounding oh, out okay. the top. Top 10, I'll just quickly go through it. James Harden, DeAndre Jordan at 7. Number 8, Kevin Durant. Number 9, everyone's favorite, Timothy Lowell Cabarro. And number 10 is your boy, Tyler Johnson. So there's the top 10 minutes in uh, for the Brooklyn Nets this season. And thanks for playing along at home. Uh, what have we got for our contestants, Nick? No, all right, we'll move on to the next topic because we've got a lot to get through. Nick, overall as this season, you know, we had a lot of fun just then talking about the highlight, Kyrie 50-40-90 season. You've been a Brooklyn Nets fan for a very, very long time. Was this the most enjoyable slash best regular season that you've had as a Brooklyn Nets fan? I think so. I mean, obviously, I was a fan back when they had Jason Kidd in 2002 and all that. But obviously, I was super young and to the extent in which I am now and the way I understand basketball. And then also, I think when you watch a team, you are hoping that they're a championship level team. Like, it's cool to watch the 18-19 Nets. But at the end of the day, you knew that was ending in the first round, you know, maybe by a miracle, the second round or something like that. So I think... It becomes more enjoyable when you have real expectations for a team and they hit those expectations and they also do it in the most entertaining way. And also the fact that, you know, I believe this is the best team in the NBA and we're talking about three of the best players. And we've kind of discussed this when the Nets acquired James Harden, you know, this might be the best trio they ever have in Nets history. This can be one of the best trios in NBA history. So for me, it has to be this regular season. Obviously, the pressure and the stress can be annoying at times, but it just shows you how much it really matters to you and to all the fans. Yeah, I've preached enjoying the journey, enjoying the ride more than any other, probably in a lot of sense. So I have, I'm not going to go past my own sentiments and and say that it hasn't been because look, it's not to say that we don't love the Delo seasons, the past Karis Avert, Jared Allen, these sort of guys, homegrown, home-drafted sort of dudes. But there's something about just being around contention. Whatever sports team you follow, you want to win the, the biggest prize it is of it all. And then for us, that's the Larry OB. And you know, yeah. it's never been the case for the Brooklyn Nets other than, you know, like you said, the New Jersey days when it was Richard Jefferson, Jason Kidd and Kenya Martin. This is a team that has high expectation. And you know, with expectations comes, you know, uh, a, a lot of different things that, that go with it. It comes a spotlight that is greater than any other. You know, it, it comes, you know, how many podcasts have we done this season? A hundred, you know, based off of, you know, trades and, you know, new signings, Blake Griffin signing, Mike James signing, whoever else LaMarcus is LaMarcus Aldridge. LaMarcus Aldridge signing. You know, we've done 
done that many podcasts this season, Nick, but I've, I've had a lot of joy in all of them. You know, even when there's been sort of like, you know, frustrating moments being like, you oh, know, Steve Nash, why do you do this? Or why did Kyrie take some bad shots in the fourth quarter? Why couldn't these guys step up? Where was the defense? There was still something, it's almost like we've, we've reflected, you know, the coaching staff and, and, and the players themselves sort of preaching about, you know, the big picture. You know, we're here for, you know, we're about preaching the habits, you know. We're doing podcast after podcast to, you know, bring the best content come the postseason, come this latter points of the season. You know, we're getting the energy going. We're getting the jokes flowing in. You know, early on, it was just like, you know, what is Kevin Durant? What, what is James yeah. Harden? What is Kyrie? We don't know what this team is. So there was huge unknowns to to so many different things, you know, yep. um, a, a rookie head coach, you know, a, a new coaching staff to go with it other than Jacques Vaughn. So there was a lot of question marks and, you know, you, you, a lot of those questions have been answered in a positive fashion. I mean, unfortunately, some the haven't. biggest one, some haven't, you know, and that's the, the biggest one. And, but uh, along the way, you know, I, I think I've enjoyed every single step, you know, whether it's LaMarcus Aldridge's five games, Blake Griffin becoming, you know, a, a bona fide Brooklyn net, uh, or, or Kevin Durant and, and Kyrie Irving showing the love that they have for the black and white too. It's And then obviously James Harden jumping in. There's been so many amazing moments throughout this regular season that it's hard to to totally reflect upon it because, you know, there's just a, another, you know, as Draymond said, you know, there's, there's 16 game players and there's 82 game players. And I'm hoping that uh, the majority of our roster that's going to be suiting up come round one uh, is going to have that mentality too. So, uh, the big picture is ahead, Nick, but let's not discount how, how awesome this ride has been. Yeah, and it's like you said, Jack, it almost feels like this season won't get as much credit as it deserves. You know, like all the different moments you got to enjoy, it was almost like an overload of Nets emotions in comparison to some of the teams we've seen in the past and some of the struggles Nets fans have had. It almost felt too good to be true to an extent. You know what I mean? Like there's literally so many things. And then even you had the injuries where you're like, oh no, I don't know what's going to happen with this season. And for everyone to be healthy at the point they're at now and to have the opportunity in front of them, it's just really incredible. What moments stick out to you, Nick? You know, I put out on Twitter, obviously, James Harden's, you know, absolutely incredible game. I also, all will, I will also mention just that first game, seeing Kevin Rand and Kyrie Irving yeah. in the black and white suit up against Golden State. You know, it was awesome, obviously, to get a, a dominant win, but it was just, it, it was, it, it was real. Like for, at that yeah. moment, you know, it was real. You know, it was, it was tangible for us because, you know, we've had such elation, you know, just uh, uh, upon the signing, upon seeing the Woj bombs, you know, doing the reaction pods on YouTube and every other platform. But to see that in, it wasn't obviously in person because of the, the nature of this, this season, but to actually see it on television and then process it and go, God damn it, Kyrie Irving is playing with Kevin Durant right now. So those are just the two that immediately stick out for me. What about you? Yeah, I mean, the first game, all, you know, just pops. And then to back it up with the Christmas Day game where they dominated Boston, just that back-to-back performance where it's like, wow, they're really here. And we we really lie, baby. Yeah, and we can win a championship. I mean, and then also, obviously, the James Harden win. I think James Harden and Kevin Durant playing those first couple games together and just seeing that rhythm. Then, obviously, you know, this related to the Suns game, winning that West Coast trip beating the, the Clippers, beating the Lakers, having that other win against the Clippers. I really enjoyed a lot of the moments, too, where I've got to see Kevin Durant as the only star, you know, that happened in the Timberwolves game, happened in the Pacers game. And then just, like, any moment you get to see on the sideline. I feel like that's been something that I've really enjoyed from this team that I didn't necessarily anticipate was the the connections. You know what I mean? The happiness and the friendships of that. Because going in, everyone talked about how this team was going to be so toxic. Nothing yeah. is going to work out. They hate each other. Kyrie's dysfunctional, blah, blah, blah. And it feels like, you know, this team is arguably as close as any Nets team as I've watched over the last couple seasons. And any team that has probably had the level of expectation 
on them. You know, a lot of these teams have like, you know, internal friction and such. But this Nets family vibe that has sort of been cultivated by, you know, the leaders, the the coaches, the the front office is something that you you can't discount with the buy into individual roles and what they can contribute to success. The the buy into wanting other people to succeed, you know. know, When we've had poor games and the role players have stepped up, we've heard, you know, that our leaders, Kevin Rank, and be like, you know what? I don't care that we didn't play well. How good was Bruce Brown tonight? You know, yeah. seeing Bruce Brown when Jeff Green's telling him he got 29 points was a, yeah. a, a heck of a moment. You know, seeing Nicholas Claxton step out and sort of saying, like, you know, you know, when people saying we lost our depth, you know, I'm still here. Like, all these little moments that we saw from some of the role players and such is, is pretty goddamn cool, Nick. So, uh, we're going to look back on this. You know, we could write a book uh, about <laughs> it. And, and we've talked about it before. If, if the Nets win a chip, you know, we might have to contact some publishers, my guy. <laughs> yeah, and I think just that we, that's definitely true. Uh, but another thing to look at would just be the development of some of the players. I think that's been really fun, too. Is like that's something I've always enjoyed watching some of the bad teams, and that's something you kind of get used to. You know, like, can this young guy really pop off? We've had the luxury of watching Nick Claxton turn into, you know, a defensive X factor. Bruce Brown really finding a role in this team. Landry Shamit taking his confidence to another level. And even some of these like older players having really good seasons like Jeff Green, like the efficiency he's having this year and the impact he's having on a winning team is pretty substantial for his career arc. Absolutely. Uh, I echo those sentiments uh, tenfold. I want to do, I also wanted to ask you, I guess, in general, Nick. You know, we did a lot of preseason pods and, you know, we dissected what this team could be, what they are, what they were going to be, what our expectations of them internally, externally, you know, as fans and such. Overall, do you think the team met, exceeded, or underperformed to expectations? Based off the regular season, obviously, the end result is a completely different thing in which we'll touch on another time when those end results actually happen, hopefully at some point in July. But... For this regular season, in consideration of the injuries and all the changing of the players, the rookie head coach, I mean, they killed my expectations. You know, having this record with the team in which they had to put out night-to-night basis, Kevin Durant missing all that time, Kyrie missing time, James Harden missing time, still going 48-24, and and having stretches when they were injured looking like the best team in the NBA, missing KD, I feel like they have definitely, you know, beat the expectations. I wouldn't say by a giant, giant margin, but by a substantial margin. Like when you have, you know, I don't know off the top of my head, I think Kyrie missed like 20 games. You're looking at probably 30 games for James Harden and probably almost, you know, 45 games for Kevin Durant. That's almost a full season of no superstar. And you still were able to secure the second seed and be one of the best teams in the league. And also they played really well against good competition. Like their record against the under 500 teams is more in question than their record against the above 500 teams. And I think that says a lot about the team in general and what to expect in the postseason. Yeah, James Harden missed 36 games, Kyrie missed 18, and Kevin Durant missed 37. Where Joe Harris oh. played the most with 69, and Jeff Green played the second most with 68, with Landry Shamet and Bruce Brown playing 61 and 65, respectively. So if you had have told me at the start of the regular season, that would have been the case. Nick, I would have been like, ah, oh, maybe the next scrape into the top four. But we yep. finished second. And I, I still think that we are... One legit- game behind first. One game behind first. And there were some games here and there where you're just like, man, if we turn one of those Wizard wins or one of the, the Cavaliers o- OT games into a W, the Nets are the one seed. And look, ultimately, one, two... I mean, it matters in, in, in a greater context because the, the Sixers are going to have a pretty easy run to the finals. And if they don't make it, um, it is a goddamn travesty on their end. But... Yeah, I think overall, Nick, my expectations were pretty high. But then I also had 
low individual expectations because like what I had them like 10th in the power rankings for OTG because I just didn't know what they were and there were question marks and question marks that I sort of we sort of touched on a little bit earlier but the questions that the main question that we have now is like are these three guys going to be healthy where it's just like there were so many other little things that I think are were more pertinent questions about how are they going to play are they going to gel on and off the court where it's just like look if you would have told me that the biggest question mark is these guys are going to play enough together, I would have been like, and, and what, we're still the second seed? Then I would have been like, okay, that's gravy, my dude. And I, I think that that question does get overblown somewhat. Um, I, I provided the stat on JVT, the fact that the net rating isn't insane. But when all those three guys are together, you know, the Nets have an incredible half-court offense. You know, the defense does lock in. Yes, James Harden is the greatest post-defender of all time. All these little things that I think we like to sort of touch on. But I think that expectations, given what happened throughout this season and the amount of adversity this team did face, you know, with the injury losses and with the rookie head coach and all these different things, I would say that they were met or exceeded um, by a certain margin, no doubt. Yeah, and I think also looking at just an expectation of where they're going to be with James Harden and James Harden coming in and changing his game completely in comparison to what we saw in Houston the last few seasons. Like, he played point guard. He would got the best at every single player in his team. And not to say that he wasn't doing that to an extent in Houston, but he was playing more natural basketball with the Brooklyn Nets. And just the way that all of these players have kind of adapted to each other and have shown that flexibility. And also the development of Steve Nash, I think, is also like part of the expectation because you weren't really sure about what he would be by the end of the year. And I feel a lot more confident, more confident about him than I did three weeks into the season. Yeah, the individual buy-in from all these guys to you know, practicing what they preach. You know, James Harden's yep. been like, you know what? I'm going to be a leader and I'm going to pass the hell out of the ball. Yeah, yep. you did that, James. Steve Nash <laughs> being like, you know what? I'm going to show a level of malleability and flexibility. Now, there were times where that wasn't the case, but I would say in the, in the grand scheme of things, Steve Nash did that. Yep. And that's something that is hard to show when you don't have your best players healthy, when your rotation isn't necessarily set in stone, when you don't know what your principles are. You, you have your principles, but how are you supposed to adhere to them without your best players available? So heap of credit to, to all the guys across the board from you know 15 down. You know, the Nets had 20, 27 players this season, Nick, you know, according to and basketball. 38 lineups. 38 different starting lineups. It, it was a whirlwind of a season. And you know, I think that... You can look at it from two respects because the Philadelphia 76ers had a level of consistency with, you know, their starting five and, and, and that team being so dominant where the Nets had to try things. And, you know, we've sort of said, and I think the Bucks have sort of done a little bit with their sort of defense as well. So it's like, you know, you use the regular season and Steve Nash said this as well, use the regular season as a, a chance to experiment and try things and go, okay, this is what works, this is what doesn't work. Whereas we saw pretty early on from our competitors, you know, be that the Sixers or the Bucks, they sort of knew what was working for them. I, I yeah. respect what Mike Budenholz has done on, on the defensive side of the ball with the switching, but they still didn't have that in point yet. Uh, whereas, the, you know, the Sixers with Doc Rivers had a, a steadiness to them, you know, from game 10 onwards. So, look, there are different ways to, to find success, and the Brooklyn Nets have found success in their own way. Um, and it'll, it'll, we'll, ha we'll have to wait and see how it all pans out uh, in, in, into the postseason. You, um, it'll be... A fascinating to sort of see. And I guess in saying that, Nick, we have the, the Boston-Washington play-in. You know, by the time um, a lot of people listen to this, the, that game may be over. What are the pros and cons to playing both of these teams? Yeah, I mean, I think the pros of playing Boston is, you know, they're missing their second best player. You know, Jalen Brown is not going to be playing. You could argue he's their best player. The Celtics have really lacked synergy and kind of played poorly all season long. You know, they've had games where they've needed to win against teams like OKC and they couldn't get it done. 
So, and not to mention, they haven't really given the Nets much trouble all season. You know, pretty much every win has come somewhat comfortably against Boston. And I think, you know, looking at the Washington side, you know, they don't play defense. They're one of the worst defenses in the league. Um, they're really too guard oriented. And, you know, they have, in terms of the cons, you know, they have Russell Westbrook who wants to kill Kevin Durant and they have some decent bigs. So other than that, I'm not really sure what the cons are for Boston. You know, Brad Stevens probably being a better coach than uh, Scott Brooks is one thing and Jason Tatum being the best player out of the bunch. But honestly, you know, I think Boston doesn't necessarily have many cons just where they're at in the season, the difficulties they've had to deal with in terms of COVID and they're playing, you know, bad basketball right now where Washington at least is playing solid basketball at this point in time. Yeah, the trajectories are, are really, really different in terms of and look, Bradley Beal's injury as well. You know, we yep. hear that he is going to play, but he does have some issues with the hamstring. And, you know, the Nets going against the Washington Wizards, we have a lot of people sort of being like, oh, I don't want Washington to win. I want Boston to win. It's just like, dude, it's the first round. The Nets should take care of business against either of these teams uh, in a relatively solid fashion. And look, I think it would be funny the way, you know, the, the narratives on both sides, you know, against Boston. You know, we gave them all our picks, and now we're going to knock them out in the first round. And Washington, sweeping them would be ideal. <laughs> it'd be it'd be pretty goddamn good, my dude. And then obviously Washington, you know, you've got, you know, this sort of Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant sort of beef and drama. Obviously, that's been alleviated somewhat now, but you know that the level of desire those guys are. He's going to play with them. Bradley Beal's going to play with. It's going to be a pretty. It's going to be. I think it'll be a fun series either way. Um, whoever we do come up against, I would hope it'd be four or five games, but we'll have to wait and see how it all pans out. And you know, I'm not going to discount, you know, a guy like Jason Tatum in, in winning a game or two. Same and Kemba Walker. And Kemba Walker, if he can finally find a, a, a bill, of, a clean enough bill of health. Marcus Smart's obviously an incredible defender, and you know, he could guard any of the, the net superstars in that respect, too. So, And I like the, the Washington Wizards have been revitalized. You know, Daniel Gafford's playing incredible basketball. Robin Lopez is, you know, playing insane ball and, and, and playing incredibly defensively, too. So, and, you know, it's, I think it'll be fun. I think either, either one of these matches will be a fun first round. I kind of want Washington for my guy, JBT, Nick, because I think that it makes for some, uh, some decent content and maybe some crossover pods, JBT and Brooklyn Buzz every now and then. Uh, but then we've also got the Celtics Lab guys as well, uh, at OTG as well. So either way, I think um, we'll, it'll work well for the content, Nick. Yeah, it really will. Jack, which team do you think will prepare the Nets better for a second-round series? Uh, good question. I think I would go with probably the Boston Celtics just because yeah. I think that you face the you know coaches that are just the best and I, and I don't really rate scott brooks that highly as a coach whereas brad stevens you know he's not in the, in the eric spolster range but he's, he's pretty goddamn good and we'll go you know what let's do some some janky some weird stuff yep. uh you know, the the postseason success that they've had you know sometimes they've underperformed but sometimes they've exceeded and then some so i think that and you know you're going up against a jason tatum you know a, a wing guy who can just you know cook you but you know, the Wizards, you know, you're actually going to have to play some defense against and what are we going to play 160, 150 ball against them for, for five games straight? I wouldn't surprise me. I think that there's differing points in terms of just stylistically that I think the Nets, you know, I don't know. I would probably rather take on Boston in terms of having a great level of preparedness, but I think Washington is a better team and a more informed team right now. So you can certainly take out of that what you will too. Yeah, I think uh, I would go with Boston as well. But like you said, there's points for Washington. I think looking at Boston, they're more likely to give you a true playoff matchup and also match some of that intensity with some of the guys they have. And I think they'd force you to maybe evolve your offense to an extent to get it ready for the postseason. 
where Washington wouldn't do that because their defense is terrible. They don't have good defenders. They don't have a great scheme. But offensively, like you mentioned, Washington has talent. Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal, the bigs have been rolling. They have some guys that can knock down some three-point shots. So it would force the Nets to play better defensively. So I think, you know, against Washington, it helped the Nets' defense evolve. Against Boston, it might help the offense evolve. Yeah, we'll wait and see how it all pans out. Um, it'll certainly be a fascinating playing game as well. Nick, got which question do you want me to throw at you? you want me to throw you a Bill Simmons-related question or Sean Marks Executive of the Year love? Mm, I'll stick with the love. Uh, Bill Simmons can get some hate after the possible Celtic series. I mean, look, you know, he's um, he's hating on his own team right now. You, you'll <laughs> love to see it, uh, to say the least, as Dave Chappelle on SNL said. Nick? Is it a fait accompli that Sean Marks is the executive of the year? I, it should be. There really is no question because we're talking about assembling possibly one of the greatest teams ever. Like I said, the Nets haven't done anything. They haven't won the championship. But just based off of pure talent, offensive talent, shooting talent on this team, the Nets could really be a historical team. And I think for that reason alone, Sean Marks needs to get the credit. And obviously, these executive of the year awards are not necessarily based off of one season. It's kind of like your you know last few seasons and the team you created so it's giving him credit for the katie and Kyrie stuff evolving the nets into what they are now if sean marks doesn't win executive of the year i'm not really sure what's going on because he needs to win one and he's not going to win it next year yeah i mean hopefully he does but hopefully it doesn't pan out the same way as you know when frank vogel i'm not frank vogel um lawrence frank uh, from the los yep. angeles clippers won his you know i would much rather you know sean marks not get it but we get that chip but you know the, the moves sean marks around the market chip on his shoulder <laughs> yeah, exactly. The moves around the margin. You know, the Bruce Brown move alone. Absolute, just goddamn steal. Absolutely fleecing the Detroit Pistons. Adding in guys like Mike James, Chef Green on the vet minimum. All these little moves, you know. The no-brainer moves are getting Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Yeah, no shit. I think everyone would yeah. offer those guys the max no matter who they are. Um, look, the only thing that you... I, I, I can't necessarily say that this season there are moves where it's just like, oh, why? You know, the ability to still retain Nicholas Claxton after the James Harden deal. You know, a lot of us, uh, there were a lot of question marks from Nets fans themselves saying, did the Nets give up too much? But look, you keep still some guys around the margins. You know, Blake Griffin, as well as a, a bet minimum buyout guy. You know, LaMarcus Aldridge. You know, all these different things. You know, you, you, you can only say good things about the tenure that Sean Marks has had over the past couple of years, uh, especially, and how he has built this team into being a contender. And he deserves a lot of credit for that. You know, a lot of a lot of the players and a lot of the, the other guys around the margins do as well. But, man, it's been a, a, a heck of a roster construction from Sean Marks and his team. Yeah, I mean, and also credit, like you said, taking the risk for James Harden, but also taking the risk in, you know, letting go of Kenny Atkinson and bringing in Steve Nash. That That's an extreme risk. And obviously, Kenny was his guy, but he understood that he probably wasn't going to be able to get the best out of this team. And he brought in a guy that he thought could. And there was no, you know, actual evidence that Steve Nash could do the job. You know, we saw he did as a player, but we weren't really sure what he could do as a coach. And it worked out perfectly. And he also assembled one of the best coaching staffs of all time. So, yeah. like, you know, Sean Marks has really done a great job. I think executive of the year should be his and locked up. High risk, high reward. Yep. But, uh, Jack, I think that wraps it up. Next time you hear from us, it'll be a playoff preview. And as always, you can find the buzz on all streaming platforms. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.